really for our family, this is like the kickoff of the holidays. And so uh, we, we, all, we look forward to this time. We look forward to the potluck that we're about to have with all the great food. We look forward to Thanksgiving, celebrating with friends and family um, around f- what? Friends, family, food. And what's the other F? Fellowship. Another F maybe? Football, yeah. So uh, many people, they, they include that football in there. And so uh, Thanksgiving is, is a great time. Our family always looks forward to that. And then you know what? Probably by next Sunday, our family will be putting up uh, Christmas decorations. Uh, we'll be putting up the Christmas tree. We will be turning on the, the Christmas music. And so uh, today and, and Thanksgiving, this praise service is really kind of a kickoff to the holiday season. But you know, it's really more than that, right? It's more than that. And so today as we, as we stop, we think about Thanksgiving, as we think about the Lord, it's really a time for us as, as a nation to stop and, and to be thankful for what we have. And we do have a lot uh, to be thankful for, not only to be Americans, but really to be Christians. And so today that's actually what I wanted to focus on, uh, thanks be to God. What I wanted to look at this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 1. And so if you'll open up your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start there in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 8 and 9, and we're going to move to 2 Corinthians. And I'll have you turn there as well, because not, I'm not going to put up any slides today, so there's no way for you to follow along uh, on the wall there. And so I'll have you turn uh, to all of the places we're going to look at. It will only be just a handful of places. And looking at the time, it looks like they gave me plenty of time, so uh, we're all set on that front. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 8, and it reads this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's go ahead and stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do, we do have so much, so much to be thankful for. Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of trials, that you are a good God, that we can run to you, we can find refuge in you. For great is your faithfulness. Lord, we're also reminded that sometimes we don't always react the right way when obstacles come into our life. And yet we're also reminded, Lord, that you can use us despite our weaknesses. But Lord, as we stop now, we think about thanks be to God really for your inexpressible gifts towards us. We thank you for your many blessings, many that we take for granted, many that maybe we don't even think about. Even even this gift of prayer, this fellowship that we get to have with you, where we we lift up our our hearts and we worship you and we give you our needs and, and you in turn use that as you see fit. And so we thank you for the fellowship that we've been given through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that the messages today and the message that we're about to have would truly touch our lives, that entering uh, this, this uh, Thanksgiving service and, and Thanksgiving week, that our hearts would be full of gratitude and thanksgiving for what you have uh, done for us. 
And so, Lord, I, again, I pray that you would use your word as you see fit and as you can and will do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As we start today, uh, Peter here reminds us that we don't love we don't love Jesus Christ because we see him. We don't love him because we carry him around uh, in our pocket, because we're always uh, flipping, flipping around. We, we look at Jesus every day. It's not like that at all. Instead, sometimes it can be kind of hard to express to unbelievers why we love the Lord in such a great way, even though we haven't seen him. And so here Peter reminds us, though you have not seen him, you love him. And so we love uh, the Lord even though we don't see him like in a, in a physical way, even though we don't behold him with our, with our natural eyes, even though we don't hear him with our natural ears, he is working in our lives. And so what, what, um, what Peter talks about here. He says this in that, that, uh, that set the last part of verse 8. He says, though you have not seen him, you believe him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And so what I want to do today is I just want to kind of park on that idea, that inexpressible joy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at a couple of passages and go ahead and flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, as we think about this inexpressible gift. And so if you're taking notes, that would be my first point today. The very first thing is that inexpressible gift. And notice what Paul says at the end of chapter 9. He says this, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, what is, what is Paul talking about here? Well, Paul is talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about that, that sacrifice that was made on our part there in 2 Corinthians 9. And so he, he brought up the subject of, of Christ, and he finishes it off with this idea of thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. But my question here today is, why not just use the word Christ. Why not just use the word Jesus Christ? Why not just say, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ? Why use the description, inexpressible gift? Why would Paul use that to describe what Christ has done for us? And really because when we think of, oftentimes as Christians, we think about what Christ has done for us, and, and, and we, think about, we think about things like this. Christ has taken away my sins, and that's great, and he has, and that is true. Or, or maybe we stop and we, we think, Jesus Christ has saved us from God's wrath, and, and that is true, and that is good as well. But there is so much more that Jesus Christ did besides taking away our sin and saving us from God's wrath. Really what Jesus Christ did is he restored a relationship that was broken. He did something that we could never do. And so what Paul is talking about here when he says an inexpressible gift, what he is talking about is, is something that we can't understand because it's much bigger than we ever thought we would ever 
deserve or that God would ever give us. And so he says that this is not a small gift. This is not a gift we, we wrap and, and we put underneath a tree or, or that we pass out during the holiday season. But instead, this is a gift that is, is really overflowing as you think about a cup, as, as you pour milk or water into that cup, and it begins to overflow and run onto the table and, and onto the floor and, and across the ground. And that's what Paul is talking about. The gift that has been given to us is so much larger than what we can fathom. Because it touches our life not only now, in this life, but in eternity to come. And so as we always start off the service and we say this, we say the gospel changes lives. And of course, the gospel changed our life when we first trust, when we first had faith in the work of Jesus Christ. We had immediate change. But there's a continued change that is happening in our life because of that inexpressible gift. And so it gives us a relationship with our creator. Our, that relationship that was once broken is now restored. And so what did God do? Well, he sent his one precious son to die in our place. Now, did we deserve that? Did we deserve that gift? Were we... I don't know, were we maybe as God's creation, we had done something right? And, and so God looked at that and said, well, because you did this little thing right, I'm going to do this for you. No, Paul puts it this way instead in Romans. He says this in Romans 5. He says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it wasn't because we were righteous people. It's not because we were good people, but it's because we were ungodly people. We were unrighteous people. And Jesus Christ died in our place. And so God left heaven. He left all the joys of heaven, all the worship of the angels... And he came down to live in our place. He came down to die for us at the hands of sinners just like us. And so that is that inexpressible gift that he would give up his life for us. And, and Paul understood this. Matter of fact, he called himself the chief of sinners. And yet, Paul himself got a glimpse of Heaven. And so that's my next point here, that first point, that inexpressible gift. That second point, the inexpressible experience. Look at chapter 12. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 2. What Paul reveals to the church in 2 Corinthians is that 14 years ago, before he wrote this, that he actually got a glimpse of paradise. And so he writes about that. And so notice what it says here. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, and it says this. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, where in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Now, notice first of all, he says, I know a man. 
What he is doing is he's talking about himself in the third person. He's saying, I know a man, but who is that man? He knows him very well. It's him. And so he's talking about himself here. And then notice what he says. He says, I know a man in Christ. And so Paul was, was transformed on the road to Damascus. Here he was. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was pushing forward what God wanted him to do. And Jesus confronted him and said, why? Why are you persecuting me? And his life was changed. He was in Christ. And so notice, I am a man in Christ who 14 years ago, it says, caught up to the third heaven. Now, I scratch my head and, and I think, well, this sounds kind of Mormon, right? Third, uh, different levels of heaven. What is Paul talking about when he says the third, the third heaven? Well, Jewish tradition tells us this. The first heaven is, is the atmosphere. It's the place where the clouds and the birds fly. Well, that's that, where the airplanes fly. And so uh, we have that first heaven. That's where the clouds are. Jewish tradition says the second heaven is, is above that. That is where the sun and the stars and the planets reside. So we have the first heaven. We have the second heaven. So where is the third heaven? The third heaven is the, the highest heaven, and that's where the presence of God is. And so Paul here, when he uses that word, third heaven, it's almost as if he, he had this out-of-a-body experience and he, and he passed through the clouds and he passed by the sun and he passed into the presence of God. And so notice, as he talks about this, what he says in verse 3. In verse 3 it says this, And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He says, okay, there's a lot I don't know about this. I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. I don't understand all of this. But this is one thing I do know. I was caught up into paradise. And look at verse 4. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So he said, you know what, when I, when I, when I passed through and I, I, I went through the first heaven and the second heaven and, and I went up to the third heaven in the presence of God, I saw things and I heard things that I can't even talk about. And so immediately I begin to scratch my head again. And I go, why? Why can't Paul talk about this, this experience that he had in heaven? And of course, Paul doesn't tell us exactly why. And so as I, as I began to study this, commentators uh, believe uh, two main reasons. And I think they're very valid reasons. Number one, he didn't want to put into words what, or, or, I'm sorry, he could not put into words what he saw and heard. He, the, the words that he would use would not give paradise justice. And so he said, I just can't utter them because everything that I would say would fall short of what I saw and what I heard in heaven. So that's one of the ideas. The second is this, that the things I saw and heard in heaven were so sacred that I ought not to utter them again. And so Paul saw something really amazing and why? Why did Paul, and why did he have this, this opportunity, this, this vision to be caught up into paradise, to be able to see things and hear things that he could not come down 
and put into words. Well, that's because of that inexpressible gift. That inexpressible gift, Jesus Christ made that way possible. And how do we know that? Well, from verse 2 again. He says this, I know a man in Christ. I know a man in Christ. And so that inexpressible gift gives us an opportunity not to just live with hope in this life, although it does, it gives us hope for the future and it gives us this, this sense of thanksgiving in our heart now and forever because of what the Lord has done for us. So Paul never spoke about this. Even though it happened 14 years ago, he didn't speak about it until we find here in 2 Corinthians. And so this thing, no doubt, changed his life. So walking by faith is, is not simply putting our, our faith and trust in the gospel. That is what starts our walk by faith. Our walk by faith is a continued daily reliance on the Lord. Claiming his promises and trusting in his and who he is and what he has said he will do. But it's also looking forward to the things to come. And I believe that's what Paul was doing as he was on earth. We talked about how Paul was not perfect. He was not a perfect individual. But I believe this experience that he had, this thing that was really an inexpressible experience, he said, you know what? There is so much to look forward to. And I'm going to continue to push and push and push. And I'm going to share the gospel with as many people as I can, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, because I want everyone to experience that inexpressible experience that I got to experience. So we have just so much to be thankful for because of that inexpressible gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection is proof that one day we will have a resurrection. Paul's experience is an example of what we have to look forward to. And so Jesus' resurrection is that proof. Paul's, um, Paul's experience is an example. And if you have not started a relationship with Christ, today is that day. Today is that day. Don't... Don't let another day pass by. You can have true thanksgiving, this thanksgiving, knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you have a place with God. And if you're a believer here today, then we should be thankful. Paul says this, thanks be to God for his inexpressible that means that if that gift cannot be expressed because it is overflowing, then you know what our thanksgiving should be? A type of thanksgiving that is overflowing. And so let us, as God's people, be thankful to God for what he has done. For thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for that perfect gift that was given to us. Lord, as we, as we stop and we think about Thanksgiving, as, as we stop and, and we praise you, we just got to stop and, and think about the fact that you left heaven, that you came and, and you, you dwelt and lived with sinful men. 
You matured as, as a young person. You grew up. And you died in our place. And yet, Lord, you never once, you never once made a trespass. You never once sinned. You never once broke the law. You lived a perfect life so that we wouldn't have to live a perfect life. Lord, you died in our place to take away the sin which we have already applied to our lives. You've taken and you put upon the cross. And that resurrection again shows that you were who you said you were. You had victory over death. And what Paul got to experience is, is just another proof. It is, it, is, it is a proof that what you said is true and that we can trust that. For his experience doesn't prove, but your resurrection proves. His, his experience is simply an example of what we have to look forward to. And so, Lord, as we think about that inexpressible gift, may our hearts be full of thanksgiving, thanksgiving that really is, is overflowing in gratitude towards you. Because really, your death, burial, and resurrection is more than just taking away our sin. It is more than just taking away God's wrath. But it's putting us into a right relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that not only do we have hope in this life, but we have hope in the next life to come as well. In Jesus' name, amen.